Hi, I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics located in Southgate, Kentucky. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Hey guys, we've loved answering all of your questions so far. If you'd like to hear your question on the podcast, please send them to us on Instagram at Wheel Talk Podcast or by email to wheeltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Hello. Thanks. <laughs> okay, I started. I might start a couple seconds late. I don't oh, know. man. <laughs> I think I'm good. Fine. Wait, Fine. are we live? Yeah, we're live. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. You Normally, you're like, hi, Ryan. I did that, kind of. Not really. I didn't hear you. And Marvel's joining. Marvel's like, yeah, we're live. We're live, bitch. No um, food for you, Marbs. Hi, Marvel. Hello. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. I feel like it's... Uh... Or, yeah, it feels like it has been. I guess yeah. you... Because you were gone on a workshop trip and I was gone on a vacation trip, so... Yeah. We didn't really talk this weekend. Yeah. How, 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 uh, how, was, how has the last couple weeks been? The last couple weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you since then. <laughs> Shit, I don't even know past, like, before we got back from all, or from when we left for Austin. Oh, well, um, tell, tell us how Austin was. Austin was good. We went on Friday, and then we came back Monday. So it was like we had all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was pretty, it was like the right length of time, I think, for a trip, like, yeah. away. Sometimes if you go more than, like, three days, it feels like too much. Because you're like, okay, we kind of hit the main parts of, like, dinners we wanted to see and, like, places we wanted to see. Right. Because there's not, like... And one thing we didn't est- we didn't think about, you know, they had that big, like, ice storm. I don't know how long how long ago that was. Like, a month ago? Mm-hmm. Was it? In Austin? So we went to, like, bot- Botanical Garden and, like, looking around. Like, everything is dead with, like, the plants. <laughs> Like, they have, like, palm trees and stuff, and they're all just dead, and the the botanical gardens, like, they had these huge cactus at one of the, the, like, park gardens or whatever, and they were just, like, dead. Like, the trunks just fell over, and, because they oh never get gosh. freeze. Yeah, so one of the, one of the ladies there was saying, yeah, we get, we get cold weather, but it's only for a max of, like, three days. Right. And it was actually down to, like, the 20s. So it was, like, yeah. really cold. And, you know, it was cold, that cold for, like, five days there. So, oh, man, all the foliage and stuff just was, like, yeah. They're like, screw you guys. We're out. We are yeah. out. <laughs> but but it was it was nice weather when we were there. It was sunny and, like, 80, I think. And, you know, nice. high 70s, mid 70s. So didn't rain or anything. But, yeah, we went. It's mostly a lot of like shopping and stuff and food so we ate some barbecue which barbecue is like my favorite type of food so we had a couple different places with barbecue we did some like antique hunting and um kind of thrift shop sort of thing because uh so rachel was with me and then rachel's parents were with me too and rachel kind of gets the thrifting and stuff from her dad so they really liked that and then um so we did we did a lot of that kind of thing and tried to do as much outdoor stuff as we could and um, yeah got some good food and all that good stuff so nice that sounds fun 
Yeah, it was good. It kind of reminded me, I was telling my coworker, it kind of reminded me of Raleigh a little bit, Raleigh, North Carolina, but it's bigger. And I, I think it was because of like the barbecue and like the demographics that live there. It's like a generally like younger crowd that lives there. Yeah. Like 20 somethings, 30 somethings. So it's a lot of that kind of age group there with uh, the college there. And there's also like, it's, I think it's a bigger like tech place too. So there's a lot of like young professionals there. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there was, there's like a lot of cars and traffic, a lot more cars and traffic than like Raleigh. But uh, yeah, it was great. That was the second time we'd been there. So have you ever been there? No, I've actually never been to Texas. Okay. My sister lived yeah, there th- for like three years. And I've never been there. I think we only we only really have been to Austin. I don't think we've been to Dallas or... I might have been there when I was like a kid or something because we have family that lives in Dallas, Fort Worth area, I think. so. But I've never... Yeah, I've never been to Houston or Dallas or San Antonio or anything like that. We've just been to Austin twice, so... Yeah, I think we'll make another trip back to texas somewhere so nice how was your workshop trip great it was great how long was that were you gone three four days or something or uh yeah so we left wednesday midday and then uh we got back on sunday night at like midnight so it was thursday friday saturday and then part of sunday like nine to two on sunday uh so i went to a, a workshop with danny meisinger uh meisinger and, that's how you say it okay i think it's meisinger um and what's funny is that uh i would have never gone to the pot like i would have never gone to this workshop had i not gotten fucking shit-faced the night that we did the <laughs> podcast with dante and Lindsay. Because I was like, I started drinking at the beginning of that podcast. Cause, and then and then I just kept drinking. And then Bear was like, hey, you want to go to a podcast with me? And I'm like, completely hammered. You mean a workshop with you? Or, yeah, the workshop with me. And I'm like, completely hammered. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then, so you were committed to it. Well, we touched like, base oh, when we were both sober. Because he was kind of drunk, too. But, um uh yeah and so it was so good uh danny's like he's like an old school potter he wouldn't i don't think he would say he's an old school potter i don't know but he is kind of like an old school potter in the sense of he's very invested in what clay is and the the education behind clay and like he's not a surface level potter you know he's he's got like a ton of the bones in pottery and he's been doing it for 30 years uh, and if you have a chance and you're near Kansas, or even if you're not near Kansas, <laughs> I would highly, I mean, I would say highly, Indiana's near Kansas necessarily, but yeah, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, it was, well, I don't know if it, I don't know if I've done any other workshops, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but as a seasoned potter going in, I learned a lot. And I know that the ones that came in that didn't have a lot of experience also learned a lot. He catered to every single, like, every single uh, skill set. set. Yeah. And he's like, 
he's like a super freaking nice guy, like super nice guy. And, uh, <laughs> and he's got like this Kwanzaa hut that his studio's in. And it's got this, like, you can go and do the, if you want to do the workshop, uh, and you don't want to pay for a hotel, you can literally like sleep in the upstairs of his studio. And, uh, he's got like 30 acres. You could pitch a tent in the back if you wanted to. And what's funny is wow. that on his website, he's like, I don't have a shower, but I got a hose, which is <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so, I was like, these are my, you're my people. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, my favorite, my favorite part of the whole weekend was, um, he's got this like unfinished bathroom, but like, it's kind of finished. He doesn't have any warm water. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> uh and he uh his his sink in the bathroom is like this fucking nice ass like throne sink it's like beautiful and it is sitting in in a five gallon bucket that's on top of two cinder blocks and i was like (laughs) and i was like danny uh do you don't have plumbing in that bathroom like drainage plumbing you know do you and he was like no i was like what do you do with the water and he's like oh i just dump it in the toilet when it fills up <laughs> and i was like this is this is this is it like this is the quintessential potter like and he's he's like i'm always working on this place and it's you know it's a very modest studio and it's a it was it has everything that you need and he's just a really nice guy so freaking knowledgeable and uh, like funny and it was such a good workshop. I am so glad that I got drunk that night. Nice. Yeah. That was, we were trying to play Ticket to Ride that night after, I think so, right? Yeah, that was the night that we were like, can we play Ticket to Ride? And then I was like, I don't think I can do this. It died, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. Well, I mean, obviously I could see your influence from the whole history and pottery thing because you're like so deep into reading and looking for books that are all about the history of pottery and like how they started in these different countries and working your way. So yeah, I, like, I didn't expect that to happen. Honestly, it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, like he makes a ton of tea bowls and we were kind of talking about like at first he was really, you know, he didn't really want to make tea bowls and then just cause out of like how important they are. And then he was like, fuck it. And not his words. Those are mine. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so then I was like, I feel like if I wanted to make T-Bowls in the future, because there was also the thing that I really appreciated about him was that he is, I come from a background of, of like slap pottery, essentially, where it's like, you make it fast, you make it good, you make it sturdy, like, but don't worry about the details, you know? Like when I was taught how to th- like pull a handle, basically my teacher was pull it attach it turn it over touch it once forget it like don't touch it again and danny's like one of those people that like he's like if i don't have it right i'm gonna mess it i'm gonna mess with it until it's right and he doesn't care how long it takes he's like this is like the piece that i want to go into the world and so i was i'm really happy that i went mostly because of that because like i left with this kind of like oh maybe i should think about my form a little bit more and function also but like really about the form like what makes a really good pot you know like glaze but um (laughs) 
But, you know, like, maybe I should think about, instead of in my new stuff, instead of just doing cylinders, maybe I should do, like, a like a nice shape that's, like, really well thought out. So, yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm happy I went. You should go. You should go to one of his workshops. How did how did he determine to like has he does he do workshops a lot and are they on site and all that kind of thing? You cut out. Does he do a Say lot of workshops again. on site in his studio and like how did you kind of hear about it? Well, Bear was the one who told me about it. Bear Ullman. Um he's on Instagram, Chef Bear Bowls. Um he found it and he has a Patreon that you can, like, go and subscribe to, which I definitely recommend. It'd be cool for, like, he's, like, such a cool potter, and, like, it'd be great to get, to get, to move some money his way. That's what I feel. Um, but, yeah, and he just started doing workshops at his own studio, and I think that was mostly the result of COVID. He's been doing workshops for yeah. years at other places, but, but, yeah. It was, nice. it was great. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've really traveled for workshops. I've just gone to the ones that are like local to me here at like Queen City Clay or NKU because the yeah. Clay Alliance hosts a workshop like once a year. So I would go to those, but I haven't really traveled to say I have to see this person. Yeah. Workshop. Yeah, it was 475 and it was 4 days and I feel like it was worth every single penny. And was it completely it looked like it wasn't just demo like you you actually made a vase so yeah, like yeah, that sounds like, pretty reasonable yeah and i could have made so much more too like he made a big piece he made he made like three big pieces like we went through a bunch of stuff we we covered uh tea bowls we covered handles we covered mugs we covered um large vases like two-part vases we covered a large pitcher we covered um these things called blow vases which sounds weird but it's not and uh we covered uh a big platter like so like so much stuff was packed in like seriously like the amount <laughs> the amount of information i got out of college in four years was in four days i feel like and <laughs> nothing in glazing though there was not much glazing but but yeah it was just insane like also i'm not gonna say what his wife made but his wife made lunch every day and they're vegetarian and she is a bomb ass cook like she is good and so that was nice that was lovely nice but uh yeah you should if you are this is my big long uh like I guess support Danny advertisement. advertisement. <laughs> if you uh, want to do a workshop, he's got one in May and he's got one in July or June, and I definitely 100% recommend it. So I think he's doing what's a his, single fire workshop. What's his soon. website? I'm guessing it's on his website. Yeah. So it's Danny Meisinger, is his Instagram. And how you spell it? Uh, D a n n y m e I S I N G E R. Yeah. Is that right? That's probably good. Yeah, that sounds good. S I N G E R. Danny Meisinger is the one that he has a ton of followers for. And then his website's linked on his, um, his profile thingy. So yeah, it was great. I, I literally cannot say a bad thing about it. And also one last thing. 
he had plenty of opportunity to put down a bunch of potters, and he didn't. He said zero bad words about anybody. And that is like, he's so wise. And that was like the coolest thing. Like Nice. There was no... Do you feel like that's... Do you feel like that's a common thing for more seasoned potters? Yeah. That are 30 years in? I think that they... Or or just when you get a chance and you're in a small group. Yeah, like, like you're it's in not a small leave group, that group and he has the opportunity to like he he had the opportunity to bash a few people and he definitely did not. And you know, you could tell that he was he was thinking, like you could tell that he chose his words wisely because he's in a position to um of a of authority and um I just really respect that that he was he's yeah. so like super level-headed. So that was really nice. cool. A lot of times I'm just like People could do what they want to do. Like, yeah. it, it's how they do it. Just like we're going to talk today, and it's going to be. This is how we do it. This it's is how not we do it. The end all be all solution for everybody. Yeah. And we have different perspectives on like what we want to get out of making what we make and how we sell our stuff and all that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have oh, anything? From I have one the, more. Th- uh, go ahead. Oh no! Go on. Oh, I was going to say, do you have anything from the random thoughts from people that wanted to say something from the survey? Oh, I didn't even look at that. So, no. But also, I wanted to say there's a new podcast. Did you know there's a new podcast? No. A new podcast. Are you talking about the one that released from Mud Peddlers? The episode with us? No, there's a new pottery podcast. podcast. It's called Potters of Color. Potters of Color podcast. Yeah. The person running it her name is robbie lob and i think she's only got like two episodes out there and so she's like brand spanking new from what i understand um and so i yeah i hit her up and i was like hey we'll make sure to mention it because go go follow her like at least like for sure follow her instagram and then um look her up on the podcast things uh is her instagram the potters of color or is it something else uh, Potters of Color podcast is her Instagram, and then Potters of Color 2.0 is her podcast on Apple Podcasts. So I don't know why it's 2.0, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> maybe there was a 1.0, but yeah, it was really good, uh, and I recommend listening. So yeah, nice. Lots of podcasts coming out, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I haven't really listened to many pottery podcasts lately. Yeah. Did you want to look up the survey thing and see if there's anything random on there that you wanted? Well, you're going to have to talk for And second. did you, uh, do you want a quick couple uh, short questions that we can answer before we do the, the sure. art show stuff? Sure, sure. All right. All right. Give us one second. Ryan, right, you were so supposed to have this ready. This is I'm not- sorry. All right. So, a quick one is what is your favorite item to make and why (laughs) that's an easy one this is from queer babe pottery what was the question what is your favorite item to make and why i like making wine glasses or because of their refined design 
Yeah, kind of. I just really like the shape. I, I do really yeah. like the shape because it's mostly a cylindrical shape. And uh, and I make a very, very similar uh, design for Graves Co. It's her cocktail cup. And I just make them like my wine glass. <laughs> like, yeah. But I told her, I was like, they're not as good as mine. But Nice. Because I still need my dignity. But yeah. Plus you like wine, so. Right. Kind of go hand in hand. What about you? Uh, my favorite piece to make, I kind of changed over time, but right now I would say it's shot glasses just because I like to turn the wheel on, set the speed, throw, like, just keep it moving. Mm, I do making, love off the hump. Work your way, like, that's pretty nice, so. Yeah, I made some yesterday. I'm making a set for Nomad, the, uh, the kind of bar place that the friends of ours own. Mm-hmm. That's down in Bellevue. The place that we talked with Kelty in for the yeah. podcast. Yeah. So they want some tequila flights that they're going to, they're going to have te- flights of tequila. So they're having me make the little cups for it. So that should be fun. Huh. Nice. And then I'm going to have some, they want some little like side dishes to put like limes and salt in. You're going to have to make some pinch pots. Yeah, As, I will. And to infuri- not infuriate all the other potters, pinch pots are a pinch of this, a pinch of that. They're thrown off the hump. They're not pinched. Okay. I think the mise en place might be good for the salt thing, but I don't know how comfortable I'd feel making those, but I don't know that I have the tools exactly just, for all that. Just throw them. It'll be fine. Just throw them. Yeah. And I got this cool little stamp when I was in uh, Austin. Yeah. It's, I think it's the, like, agave plant, which is, like, what tequila comes from and stuff, I think. Or, it's the, it, it's the tequila plant, whatever that plant is, but yeah. it's, like, a stamp, a wooden block stamp. Oh, cool. So, I got a nice $2.50 purchase. So, I'll, I might try that in the little bowls, so I might stamp in the bottom of it with that, so that, that'll be kind of cool. Do you want like right. a funny one or do you want a question or do you want a sincere one? Well, let's do let's do a sincere one. I feel like we always do funny ones. Okay. Um Where was it? Where was it? Oh, okay. You were like on deck with a funny one. I know it. I <laughs> No, not really. I feel like there's some really good ones. Um It says, you guys have a great podcast in large part because you're so different from each other. The respect you have for each other comes through each conversation. Nice. I like that. That was really nice. I do respect Ryan a lot. Even though I cut him off I respect you a lot, too. That's all right. I I mean, I... I know I continue to like put myself down about like I'm here just to get the entertainment out of you, but like it is fun doing the back and forth. Well, I, I feel like you have a lot to say. Good stuff to say. You definitely yeah. keep me grounded, that's for sure. You know what Val said? <laughs> it took like three months for Val to start listening to our podcast, but maybe actually a year. But um, <laughs> but Val's like one of my best friends. And um, Val, Flynn, Val Flynn Pottery, go look her up because she's awesome. Um and she was like, I was listening to the podcast the other day and you were telling something to Ryan and I was like, Becca, shut up. Stop talking to him like that. <laughs> <laughs> she was defending me. 
<laughs> and then she was like, Ryan, you don't have to listen to her. <laughs> don't let her talk to you like that. Stick up for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, love you, Val. <laughs> okay. What right. is our topic for the day? Okay, so on Instagram, I put out a question looking for some insights from you all about what you want to know about art shows, because we feel like it's pretty timely right now. It's it's April 1st today, but people are kind of getting in the mode of starting to apply for art shows. They're getting back in after the pandemic's kind of settled down, and they're like, hey, maybe I want to sell some art shows this year. It's possible they're actually happening, and... Uh, so we asked for your questions. We got a whole bunch of them. We got some longer questions through comments in a post, and then we got some through a uh, question kind of bubble and stories. So we'll kind of run through a number of these. They're kind of grouped a little bit, so hopefully we can answer them in kind of groupings. So, yeah. Can you imagine if, like, you weren't a part of this podcast? We'd have podcasts like... Uh, what now two episodes ago when we switched mid mid uh mid round that's what every <laughs> podcast would be like <laughs> or like the last one that was released uh, i think that was yeah we recorded that two times ago yeah that's the or one that i'm switches. talking about yeah yeah see i was listening to that back and i was like i wonder how see i thought half of the podcast was talking about the art show in the school and stuff but it was only an hour but we recorded for an hour and a half so so I was like, or it was almost two hours, but I was like, oh, yeah. maybe it wasn't it. Maybe it was more than I thought. I don't know. I know. Yeah, I feel that, like that I, f- I feel like when I was listening back to that one, I was like, Becky, you you should have been more adamant about like I don't fucking like college. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> listening back, I was like, <sighs> you softy. <laughs> Anyway, um, we want to preface this episode with um, this is our experience. We, both of us, don't do super big, like, you know, the top 10 shows of the country. We don't do shows like that. Yeah, we're not doing like, we're not doing like high end art, fine art shows. Right. We're in like a convention center with these black backdrops and, and like the, the pro panels and stuff. And like those big oval looking tents and stuff. Like, that is a whole nother level that we don't subscribe to we appreciate them but we don't know how to do that so that's not what we're talking about um we're talking about farm like for uh, for the farmer's markets we're talking about uh, middle shows like you know like kind of like indie craft shows indie craft shows weekend shows local stuff with like food and consumables and then there's like soaps and stuff like that and then I do some juried shows where there are like fine artists, and then there's also crafters, and there's right metal uh, blacksmiths or metal work metal workers and woodworkers, and like I do some juried shows, but also do a lot of kind of craft, I guess craft shows. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So that's kind of where our perspectives are coming from. Yeah, and oh, and I've probably yeah. done more shows than Becca has, like range of shows for sure for absolutely for sure like i um the first year that i started doing shows like i did all the big ones you know like not all the big ones but you know the bigger um 
shows in like the Seattle area. And then I found uh, Leavenworth Art in the Park and kind of just was like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> You're like, I found my crew here. <laughs> we'll just stick I found here. My sweet spot. <laughs> we'll stay here. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, where do you want to start? All right. So we're starting at the. Uh, this is kind of the choosing the right shows kind of section. So we'll start off. These are from NZ Design Studios. How do you decide if an art show is worth doing for the first time? Do you rely on word of mouth, jump right in, or go to inspect the show that year to decide if you do it the following year? And are there clues to look for or ask the director before applying? So what I do is pretty much what you said there. And I, the way that I keep, uh, I keep a list on my phone. I started this like in 2016 or something. And I went kind of to Google. Today, you could probably go to Facebook and look up Facebook events, but uh, Google's a good option. Just look up art shows, Louisville, Kentucky, and see what art shows are happening around town. And usually, you can see like a list of events and some kind of like around Louisville or whatever. Like, if that city has a list of happenings in that city throughout the year, like you can kind of filter by art, filter by craft, and like just document the name of the show and then put like the time of year that it is. So I'll put like arts on the green and that happens in mid June so that I know like chronologically in the year, that's when it falls. And then if you have an application date, that's how I, uh, I might put like apply application deadline due at this point. And then that's a good way to just keep track of, you know, when things are happening in that area and then you can do the same thing for different cities around you if you're willing to travel. But that's what I would do. And I, I just made that list. And then I would try to go that year. And if it looked good and the the uh, booth fee wasn't too much for me, then I would usually do it the next year. But if, if you're willing to risk the money, you can apply and do it and try it and see what happens. Like, for me, I wouldn't just jump right into, like, a $200 booth fee if I wasn't sure what was going to happen. If I'd never been there or I haven't, like, seen the vendor list, a vendor list from the previous year is a good barometer of, like, looking at the skill sets of what types of clay artists do they have. You know, you can go to their websites usually or look them up on Instagram or whatever. Like, that's a good resource. Also, um, I would I would add in there, well, I have two things. Um, be a nosy neighbor, <laughs> like find somebody at that show. If you really want to know, like find somebody that participated in that show last year, shoot them an email or find them on Instagram, shoot them a message. And I would say maybe don't find somebody in your craft, maybe like a wood turner or, uh, maybe not a wood turner cause they still have bowls, but like maybe not a jewelry artist, maybe like a soap person or yeah like just somebody uh, random or a somebody painter random. or a photographer or something like they're friendly <laughs> and, and shoot them an email and be like hey i'm thinking about doing this show next year like i'm doing pottery you know not in your medium uh do you recommend it or do you not recommend it you know um that's a good way to do it also uh i got really really lucky the first year that i did shows and there was actually a book i found a book. a book yeah a I found physical book yes I shit you not. And that's the only reason I found Leavenworth Art in the Park. Um, there was a book that had, um, uh, it was like show, it was basically a craft show book. 
and it was from was it like based on that city or something so yeah, it had just it was a list Washington. of shows for customers it was all of washington oh and and so somebody made a book and and it had all the shows from april to like october and it was such a great guide because i just kind of like flipped through it and then found a bunch of shows and like i said i would never found um leavenworth art in the park now i didn't actually get i looked at it and saw it but then i actually met somebody later and he was like no for sure you need to go to that show also if you've done other shows make sure you're asking people in those shows ask them what other shows they do you know yeah that's a really good way to to find out too because like um if you befriend another potter and i'm like dude like do you have any recommendations on shows? That's how I found Art in the Park. Thank God the uh, director didn't judge me because the guy that recommended it got kicked out. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that ties into JessCon Jess 0202's question. How do you find and choose a show that will work well for you? And what is the application process like? Uh, the other the other option you could do you could go to like Zapplication if you're applying for like a jury show, mm-hmm. go to Zapplication. It's a online applying software, and that's where you would normally apply for shows, pay for booth fees, have your portfolio of pictures and stuff, and you could filter it by state. You could filter it by medium, I think, or something like that, or like time of year, I think, and then you could just pick and see like chronologically what shows are happening. And they'll usually say, like, you know, we have these different mediums. This is our X number of year. We have this many people that come to the show. And that's a good way to, like, figure it out as well. But, yeah, the best way to, like, figure out if it'll work for you, looking at the best, the best for me is to look at a vendor list. If I can see that, that gives me a good a good look at like what types of things are they selling it's not like a bunch of like mlm bullshit and it's not but it's like craft or it's like art and i can see the other clay people if they're local if it's a show local to me i'll probably see some familiar clay names in there and i'll be like hey these three people were in there what do i think of their work how do they sell generally like are they a full-time artist or are they part-time do am they i better have decent work like, how would I kind of stack up against them? What did you say? I said, am I better? <laughs> am I better than them? Yeah. But if you if you have a good clay community there and you know a lot of people, if you know one of those people, like, hopefully you have a decent enough relationship you can ask them. Yeah. If they're friends of yours and be like, hey, I saw you did this show. How, do, how was it? Would you recommend it? Was it worth the booth fee? Stuff like that. And if they're not willing to give you the answer, you don't need to ever talk to them again. You don't You don't need that type of negativity in your life. Uh, what about the application process how have you applied for shows for your set of shows you've done i feel like i've i feel like i've so okay i've stuck to really basic shows (laughs) like i don't typically also side note Everywhere I live, there's a train right next to it. So here we are. I know. What the hell? Like, you can't <laughs> leave the train. You just need it to rock you to sleep or something. I know. I I know. Like, it was a block away in my old place. It's, like, less than a block away here. Uh, I've always lived next to a train. Um, like, is this apartment building adjacent to a train track? All right. 
it'll work. <laughs> I can live there. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, I feel like I've kind of like chosen really weird shows. I have been lucky in the sense of the show some shows people have asked me to be in them so that's good um is that like the promoter asks you mm -hmm. yeah okay and like um like especially in monroe i know everybody <laughs> in monroe so like uh you know at the church shows that i used to do i'd be like yo I'm going to be in the show, okay? And then be like, sweet. <laughs> and then I'd hand them $25, <laughs> you know? But, um, right. so, yeah, I've been really lucky, and I feel like I'm not super, um, I'm not super qualified for this. Now, the only show, yeah. so Leavenworth, you do have to do an application, but they're super old school. And so it's a paper application. You write down your information, and then you have to send in three to five pictures and you have to print them out at Walgreens. <laughs> That's so old school. <laughs> and and you have to email it in or mail it in. Yeah, they do not accept digital photography. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! The only more old school than that is this one in Cincinnati that they you they just moved his application two years ago. They had actual like interviews that you had to bring yourself and your pieces with you and like interview to show them to the juror the jurors wow that was like so old school they did have a digital way which i always did because i couldn't attend that like interview day so you could like email your photos or i think i had to put them on a cd and mail it a cd <laughs> a cd <laughs> Yes. Like instead of sending a flash drive, you put it on a CD with like three pictures in your application and that's about it. Yeah, I um I feel like especially with the first time with Art in the Park, like I got a call from Mary and she's like, So, uh, how do you know this person? The person that recommended me and I was like, Oh no, I don't know him. She's like, Okay, great. So <laughs> <laughs> And then she they were was like, like, he's my best friend. <laughs> and oh, she was okay. like, I don't okay, know if this is going to work. Uh, we don't have a potter, so you're in. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, That's I don't know. Great. I've just gotten kind of lucky that way. I I feel like I haven't gone through the weeds with the application process. Yeah. I would say the applications for me have varied. It's kind of in like three different scales. The smallest is like a farmer's market. Yeah. There's no application. There's no formal application there. I had to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm a local potter. I live really close to you and I'm interested in your farmer's market. So you kind of make that contact with them through their contact form on their website or their contact email or whatever. Right. And you make the connection and then you're just like, hey, can I get on the mailing list? And that's kind of the most basic form of it. And then they'll reach out, and now we have a relationship, and they send out things to their local artisans, and, you know, they have spots that are available that week. You fill them up first come, first serve, and you'll probably do it that Saturday. So, like, I'm not really applying. I'm just showing up because they already know my work and stuff. And then I pay 25 bucks that day, and that's kind of all there is to it. Right. And then the second set is more like the indie market but also the like monthly markets that are not juried but they're they're not like a high-end art show they're like a one time you're either gonna pay like 50 to 90 bucks for the day probably yeah and those are generally 
you go on their website, you fill out their form, which is name, business name, medium, um, what's your Instagram account, what's your website, so they can like do the research on your social stuff. Yeah. To like see what your work looks like instead of doing the whole submit photos and all that shit. Yeah. Like, you just give them the links to your stuff, and then um, you generally those won't have an application fee or if they do it's like five to ten dollars it's not a big application fee right and usually it's a one-time thing so like you do one-time application fee for the whole season and you like pick and choose which days or which months that you want to do that season so that's kind of how they do it and then they'll just invoice you once they pick their lineup for that those months or whatever um and then the third level is the juried thing where they have their jury deadlines you know right now there's a show that's happening in august and the deadline is in at the end of april or something like that right so it's you know it's happening august almost september and the deadline's right now which is what six months away five months away Mm -hmm. so like if you're doing juried shows that are on application it's going to be pretty common that you're going to be applying at least four months out probably five months out that yeah that answers liz cohen's question which is basically like how far out do you need to a book or reply and that i would say like six months is a good yeah good guesstimation and i that. i mean right now i've got i've got a list of shows on my calendar or on like i keep it in a note this might be good for people so what i do is i you know let's say the first step is i have that list of all of the shows in the different cities adjacent to me and i'm kind of like okay that's my first set that's where i started in 2016 i made this entire list and i added to the list as i heard about more shows and i go in i try a few of those i apply for a few of those i do them and then i'm like i make them bold so that i can see that i did them already and then i build a list of like what shows i'm doing this year so that's going to be a subset of that bigger list And then what I'll do inside the shows for this year, I'll have, like, I'll kind of indent them. So, like, the further I indent them to the right, the, like, less set in stone they are. So, like, if they're really far to the right, then I haven't applied for them yet, but I have them on my radar that I want to do them. So, like, I can see them in the, chronologically within the year that I want to do it and how it relates to the show's you know, around it in that month. And then if I've applied for it, I'll indent it like one level less and I'll like italicize it or whatever that I've applied for it. And I'm just waiting to hear back Mm -hmm. if I got in or not. And then the furthest to the left are like bold and like, Hey, I'm in this show. It's on the calendar. It's set in stone. And then that's when I'll put it on my like, you know, Apple calendar. So it's like Rachel knows about it. So we don't like plan something else. And you know, she knows about it in case she has to help me at it or whatever. So that's kind of how I organize them and how I kind of plan out my, my year. But like, you got to plan early. It's not like a one month, like one month out. It's not like right now I'm planning for, I got to figure out what shows I'm going to do in May. Like that's too late. Yeah. Get on it. That answers the yeah. watering can pottery, like to a T. I'm not going to read it cause it was so long, but it was basically everything yeah, I just said. I knew, I knew that was in there. But yeah, when you when you do that list of the shows for the year, you know, throw in there the I throw in there the name of the show, the date of when the show happens, and then I throw in anything pertinent like when is the application due. Mm-hmm. So it's not so hard to keep up with because throwing that on my calendar of when applications are due is like too busy. If 
I have it all in one place, it's easier yeah. to, to keep track. Also, um, I wanted to add in, this is kind of on subject, like a little bit back. So um, we were talking about how to find shows and stuff too. There are some websites that are specifically for finding art shows. So you can look those up on Google. Like um, they have, you just type in your region and it has like all the art shows in the whole country. So. Ooh trying to remember there's one that uh potter near me that told me about it's a paid one though yeah you have to but pay it's for more it like but art it's... fair it's more like art fair reviews yeah there's a uh, facebook group called art fair reviews that's an option mm-hmm. that's a lot of like high-end art shows but there are some smaller ones on yeah. there that you could search and but yeah, there also are paid versions i'm not sure when we're talking about high-end art shows versus regular art shows uh if Ryan was going to one of these shows. It would be the difference between like five to ten thousand dollars, and because they're selling like high end art, clearly, and <laughs> and like one to three thousand dollars for a show. So yeah, you're talking about what you're making. Yeah, typically what you're making. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's really general. Obviously, it could be different for everybody, but. Like, you know, a lot of people, when they go to these high-end art shows, they're like, if I don't make ten grand, I didn't do good. So, Yeah, you could you could also say, based on booth fee, like, a lot of those high-end ones are typically, like, 300 bucks and more for a booth. $1, like, 300 to, like, you know, 900 or a thousand, like, 300 yeah. plus for a booth, 350 plus. Yeah. And, like, the middle-range juried ones are probably 150 to, like, 300, I would yeah. say. Which is kind of my sweet spot of like if I'm doing a, a juried one like that's kind of where I've paid six hundred for a show. The uh, really? the U District Street Fair was six hundred. Yeah, and I remember that was the weekend where I like went and I had done Leavenworth for like three weeks and I went to the U District Street Fair and I was like fuck this. <laughs> I think I had other shows and I was like I'm just canceling them. <laughs> I was like nope I'm sticking with Leavenworth. In the, the so you did it was it like a two or three day thing or yeah it was like a two day show and i made like less money than i would have in leavenworth so i was like really <laughs> and leavenworth is a lot more hands-off because of the way that yeah. the show flows and so yeah anyway okay moving on oh uh what questions should we ask the promoter before getting into one into a i show? don't really ask a lot of questions the only thing that i would th- say i've asked before if it's like if it's one of those newer shows that you're not really sure about like a church show or like this group that has this show that they're throwing that they haven't done or like there's no documentation of like a website yeah of what this event is like i'll usually ask are there other potters that have sold in Mm -hmm. this or can you give me an idea of the other vendor types of what they sell that'll be a pretty good gauge of like are people going to actually appreciate what i'm making here right or is it going to be like they're looking for something cheap yeah like a crap like a lower craft show yeah you know that's really the only thing i've asked of the promoter yeah for sure i would say that too i just feel like they the promoters probably have so many things that they're juggling that i don't know that Maybe I'm just not thinking of what type of questions others could ask, but usually they're pretty good about documenting all the stuff that happens with the show. And yeah, if you could see photos of previous years, that's a good, good gauge for you. 
Yep. All right. Did we answer everything in that kind of grouping? I feel I like we did. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the next one is about prepping for upcoming shows. So any recommendations for helpful supplies when doing an outdoor market? What do you think? You do these outdoor ones. You've had some bad wind issues. I've and... got lots of recommendations. <laughs> All right. What about what about baseline like essentials? Okay. First. Baseline essentials. Tent. <laughs> you need a tent. Okay. Now, let's talk about tents. So, you can get the shitty tents. You can get the less shitty tents. Or you can get a very good tent and then you can get the best tents. So, shitty tents, $150 and less. Okay. That's from like that's like a quest tent from, from Walmart. like Dick Sporting Goods. Yeah. The Dick's angled Sporting. legs and it's got like a colored top on it. I feel like, like that, that no. Don't even fucking get an angled leg leg. Don't tent. get that. That was my don't very first fucking, tent I got. No. Don't get that. Don't be like Ryan. Don't do that. Spend fifty dollars more and get a better tent. I've never said that before. Usually it's like don't be like Becca. Right. No, I, I was just saying, like that's the baseline. I know, but this is a mo- this that is a was- momentous moment where I just said, "Don't be like Ryan." Anyway, but you just said momentous moment. You don't say that. I did say that, and I will say that. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, basic a basic shitty tent uh, is just an easy up, like a cheap one though, like an off brand easy up. Um, make sure your top is always white. Do not get a blue fucking tent. Um, what's the reason for that? The reason the is reason, because but... you have art and light reflects off of white. And, uh, if you have any other color than white, then that color will move down into your tent and, and, uh, skew the colors of the pieces. And it just darkens your tent yeah. overall. Yeah. A lot. The white really keeps it airy and like bright. Yeah. Okay. So then we move up to like the Costco business tent where you can get it at costco and it's a little bit like a little bit better quality um i believe they have i want to say it's like what makes them better than that is it the like the material that the legs are made out of yeah it's not like a painted coated like metal it's it's like a it's like a stainless steel or something that's more sturdy yeah i feel like a lot of the um a lot of the mid-range tents are the ABC canopy pop-ups. Like, that's one that comes to mind. Like, I had a lot of friends that had those. Um, those have pretty decent legs. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, let's see how much they are on Amazon. $219. I got, an Amazon, I got a ba- basic Amazon one that I used for two or three years. Yeah. like That was white. T- I think I spent, like, 115 for it. The like That's my baseline that I would say you could get. Yeah. But, that's one that the legs will rust like over time because they sit in the grass and yeah, two hundred nineteen dollars. I stuff. like to find ones that have pull tabs instead of the push tabs because they tend to break less. Like to move the legs down. Um, yeah. Also, you want to get sides. You want to make sure you get side walls for everything. Uh, okay, then your next level of tent is going to be an easy up. Do you want this? Do you want the sidewalls even if you're not doing overnight shows if you're yes. doing a one-day show? Always okay. get your sidewalls. Like, always have the sidewalls just in case. Like, just in case. Um, is that for weather conditions or is that to level set so you don't confuse your customers that are inside your tent looking through So it, I mean, you never tents. know. You really never know what it could be for. I've dropped my sidewalls because people were getting, 
blinded by the metalwork guy next to me, but I've also dropped him because it was windy. Um, so. Yeah. I And also, who knows if you need to drop him for wind or not. Like, wind is just its own thing. Um, and then <laughs> uh, the, next, the next level up is, which I would not recommend unless you are, like... You can usually get away with, like, the 200 to $300 tent. I wouldn't recommend this unless you're, like, committed. Uh, a, the people that are committed are not listening to us for advice about art shows. You never know. Um, Maybe. But, I mean, like, if you're committed, like, you're going to do, like, 30 shows in a year. Like, you do, like, 30 shows in a year. Yeah. But Ooh, I, shit, I mostly pick my tent. I mostly pick my tent based on the car capacity that I have as well. That's a big factor. Like, I'm not doing mm. the pole bullshit for 30 shows for the number of shows i do because the setup is a lot more efficient with yeah the tent that i have but like yeah not the poles but like you know um the next step up other than 200 dollars is like an easy up that's like 600 dollars. so i think mine were like 700 dollars each and i got two of them at the time and they're made of stainless Crap. steel they're a bit heavy they're like 70 pounds a piece and they um but they're sturdy and the tent canopy is like this really nice material and it's um it's just like super fucking good and then the sidewalls are super hot like they're super durable and they're just like you can tell that, <laughs> that they, so that it sounds like it's more for the like the, the weather factor yeah like they're holding up to blazing in the sun but also like heavy rain and stuff like that yeah like they're not gonna it's not gonna rip through the canopy or something well yeah and it's not like it's not like you know the sometimes those 200 dollars tents have like a tarp um material these are like canvas they're like white canvas and they're like heavy duty you know yeah um the zippers are like nice <laughs> like you know yeah. um they're not skimpy and they're not they're skimpy. Bend or something the next step up and so those are what i would recommend if you're looking it, like if you have a little bit more room than ryan but you also are doing like you're gonna plan on doing a bunch of shows if it's an investment that you make you know also with yeah. easy up you can choose the tent leg colors <laughs> <laughs> and it's no extra yeah, you charge have, you have green tent legs and you have orange tent legs i do so. i have green and orange ones and and mary was like i don't care what color your legs are you just have to have them to be a white top and i was like yes um nice and then uh the super fancy tents are those like everlast or whatever the the ones with the ovals those are those are like the legit ones so yeah. um my face is bleeding. Um, I think mine's a mine's a Euro, Euromax. Euromax, yeah. Mine's not the sta- mine's not like the basic level one. It's the next step up. It has hexagonal legs on it. Oh yeah, those are nice. So the the poles aren't square. They're actually a hexagon. Yeah, those and are I sturdy. Saw a friend of mine that had one of those, so that's why I got them because the legs are more sturdy in that mm-hmm. fashion. So also always set up your tent before the first show of the year <laughs> in your driveway <laughs> yes i made that mistake talking about last year's show where i showed up and i didn't even have the fucking top to it i didn't either Rachel had to bring it <laughs> you remember when i you're like up- i'm good but i forgot the top to it <laughs> you remember when i showed up to leavenworth and i didn't have the tops to both of my tents and so we set up the tent like my tent needs to have to be set up in order to like if the frame from it. is supporting the um 
with shelves. Right. And so I, we just set up the fucking tent and it was like see-through and Mary comes in and she was like, Mary's the director of Art in the Park. And she comes in and she's like, this is nice. <laughs> I like it. And she's yeah. like, it's so sunny. <laughs> I had to bribe one of my friends to go get my tent toppers and then somebody that I had no idea who they were came and dropped them off and I handed them two mugs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Okay. All right. What other what other essential supplies? Sorry, that was like a long thing about tents, but tent the tent's the most important thing. You need weights. So yes. there's a couple ways you can go about this. Do not, I repeat, do not fill up milk jugs with water. <laughs> <laughs> I did those at my first like three two shows, three shows. Don't maybe. be that person. Just don't. Um. Uh, there's a couple ways you can do this. You can buy three or four inch PVC pipes and fill them up. With- hey, what would you rather have? Would you rather have two milk jugs filled with <laughs> like sand or rock pebbles? Or would you rather have that person that puts those little semicircle discs on their feet of their tent? Oh, yeah. That and that's all they have those five pounds. pound weights or 10 pound weights. <laughs> General rule of thumb, you want 25 pounds at least on each leg. Um, at yes. least. So, uh, there's a couple ways you can go about it. You can get a PVC pipe, three, three foot or three inch PVC pipe, get the cappers on the bottom. It just looks better. And then, um, fill it up with cement drill first. You can fill it up with the post mine's cement. Mine's a four inch. Mine's a four inch one, but that's yeah, like four a inch. pound probably. So fill it up with post cement. Here's a trick. While it's still wet, drill in three inch screws periodically in it so that it never comes out and then stick a little you know stick a an eye hook on the top and then all you got to do is bungee it to your leg and then bungee it to the thing i would i would recommend putting a handle on the side of it if you can oh yeah I that's a good idea not having a handle because it's so awkward to pick them up yeah and i've i mean i've cracked these things like they're about due to be replaced, actually. But yeah. Put a handle on the side. Drill a handle in the side if you can, like a metal handle. Yeah. Um, yes. So that's a, that's a really good option. Tons of people have those. You can also find really heavy um, rebar posts sometimes at, like, metal workings where they're, like, four feet tall. And they're, like, only about two inches around. But they're sleek, and so they can just you know bungee right to your um tent leg those are nice uh what i've done which sounds really risky but it's never done me wrong so i wouldn't recommend this on traveling shows is i have had um dry bags like the ones that you go kayaking with and we would just fill them up with water and hook them up to the tent but keep in mind my tent is weighed down with two shelves and a shit ton of pottery, so it's not going anywhere. I've already had that happen once. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that works. Or you can get dry bags and fill them up with, like, sand or concrete even, you know. Um, Yeah, there's some bags. I've got some that are in the basement that you Velcro. It's like those kind of tubular-shaped bags that you put sand in, and you could Velcro them to the legs. So I don't know how much they would hold. They would probably hold 25 to 30 pounds. Yeah, those are good. So, like, there's a lot of different options you can do. You just need to make sure they're Velcroed 
You want to make sure that they're connected to the bottom, but also connected to the top of your frame too. So that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people miss is that you should be bungeeing them to your frame leg, but you should also be connecting them to your frame top. And the reason being is if you do hit a high wind, it's a little bit easier for the leg to pop out of that. But if the top is hooked on, it kind of keeps it a little bit more grounded. Um, so, yeah. And I just use, okay, so on that, uh, you want to make sure you have bungee cords, ball bungee cords, not the long ones. You want to get the short ones. Um, you can use those. Ball bungee cords are dangerous. Ball bungee cords, yeah. When you when you snap those together, make sure you look away. Um, oh my god, <laughs> Rachel's hit herself in the shin a number of times. I've hit myself in the shin a number of times. Yeah, you go limping away like you think you're done for the day. Yeah, <laughs> my friend knows somebody that that literally lost an eye to a bungee, a ball bungee, like went blind oh in one god. eye. So, um, yeah, so. Uh, ball bungee cords make sure they're the short like six inch ones not the really long ones because then you're just working too hard you can also use those when you roll up the size of your tent you can use those to um you know to yep. to put them up uh let's see what else uh uh tablecloths tables i don't yeah rat i was just thinking structural right now but ratchet straps are good um what are the ratchet traps for to secure it to the top of your frame your weight secure your weight to the top yeah those are nice i mean you can use bungees too but i like ratchet straps uh okay so that's that's it for structural i feel and then so Mm -hmm. tables Um, what kind of tables i like i just like i only have one table and it's a four foot table in the back what about you is it like a lifetime yeah foldable table like a hard top plastic yeah, that's a lie. I have a one foot, uh, one four foot table, and then I have one kitty lifetime table that you can get at Costco. Those are the shit. They're two inches by or two feet by two feet, and they're really short. They're awesome. What do you use that for? Your checkout stand or? Yeah, I put my paper on it. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I have the like fold in half. They're black, uh, plastic. I think I got them at Walmart, maybe. But. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm, like I said, I'm space, like, space saving and stuff, so. Yeah. I gotta be able to fit them in the car. You definitely have to be able to fold my tables in half so I can get them in there, so. I think those are, those are six foot tables, so I use two of those, and then sometimes I will bring out my four foot table that is, um, white topped, it's plastic, and then it's got the legs that can adjust. Yeah. From, like, shorter to, like, 30 inch to, like, 36 inch. That's what I have. Sometimes I'll play with that one, too. Yeah, those are nice because you can lift them higher. And, um, yeah, a tablecloth is really good. I don't like black tablecloths, but that's because I'm not suited for art shows. <laughs> yeah, I have the black ones. They they can get dirty, but I'm not really the... A lot of other potters and stuff will use, like, white or burlap or... Yeah. Like, I'm not really that vibe, so... Just whatever my, you... Yeah. Yeah, that. But yeah, you can get kind of whatever. I would say make sure it goes down to the ground. Yep. Use a black because sheet if it's short, yeah. and you can see your, you could see your uh, bins and stuff under. Like you don't want that. You want to clear out or like remove any distractions. So get it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. 
so it'll cover up your bins and all that that are under your table yeah my setup uh i also feel like we should um god we need to start adding more pictures and stuff to our instagram when we release these shows uh we need to remember to do that my setup is significantly different than ryan's so keep that in mind um i'm more the tables with the stuff on top of the tables and a mug rack hanging from a bar on the tent yeah so and i have a that's my setup and i have a 10 by 20 setup and i have two um shelving units on each side so they're 12 inches by um six feet tall and they have seven shelves on them that are all wood and then i have one hanging table in the middle that hangs off of the frame also weighing down the booth so yeah uh so keep that in mind we have a very different setup so that's that's gonna uh affect a lot of things oh also another structural thing i found that it's really helpful to have um zip ties <laughs> like you never know when you yeah. need a zip tie <laughs> you know and a power cord a zip tie and a power cord power cord like a external battery charger for your phone no like is that what you mean no oh, no like a like an extension cord sorry an extension cord why it's always good I to feel have like an i ex- never have power Oh. I feel like I never have access to power at the show. Like I do not expect to have any access to power. Well, it's always good to have it when you when you can get it. So I always yeah, keep it in your car. Yeah, I always keep an extension cord. So I don't know why. I just always do. Okay. Um, anything else? Uh, roll of tape, paper for packing, a notebook yeah. for writing down sales and stuff, or your phone or. Yeah, cash. I mean, definitely have cash on you. Somebody asked about the best card swiper. Do you have any preferences? I use Square. I prefer Square. We, we probably both have Square. I like it because of the analytics interface mm-hmm. and the all of that thing. I don't know how PayPal's it works. I would assume it's pretty much the same as how your PayPal works now. You just get a swiper and it adds it as a new piece of activity on your paypal account i don't know that they have analytics and like items and stuff like that maybe they do yeah also etsy has a etsy has a swiper as well that a lot of people don't know that but if you do have an etsy shop you can get an etsy swiper and that way if you do swipe something uh like you can take it directly off of your inventory which is kind of nice um the reason i use square is also because of the analytics interface but but more importantly uh when i was doing shows in washington washington is a a state where you have to charge taxes according to every single county it's not just a state tax so uh as far as accounting goes square you can put in different tax codes and the amount and it's really easy to switch to like switch mm-hmm. it up and when i was starting paypal didn't have that option and it was really hard to do the bookkeeping in paypal so that's why i never use paypal yeah that's good i didn't really think about that but i will yeah i have the kentucky and i have the cincinnati and stuff like that i will say however that um paypal is completely private so if you wanted to be a questionable individual and didn't want anybody to know how much money you made at a show, uh, PayPal's the way to go. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
And then I don't know the other swipers out there. I'm sure there are other ones. Uh, and actually, you mentioned the integration. You can integrate Square with your Etsy shop, too. Oh, good. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that QuickBooks has one. It's it's whatever. But they could yeah. charge a lot. I feel like Square is the most well-known and most standard out there that people use. I agree. And it's trusted, too. Like People are like, oh, it's Square. Uh, I think Clover is one of them, too. But that's usually just for right. retail. Right. This is a good question. Do you see the next one? Tell me one thing you wish you brought or did your first market and one thing that you did that wasn't really necessary. Oh my gosh, I've got mine. Goodwill Ceramics. What do you got? Okay. This is the thing that I held on for the longest time. And I'm so glad that I changed. So I used to get newspapers and recyclable materials to pack all of the pottery in when I would go to shows and I would just have like a bin of newspapers and it was so messy and like is that what you packed your pots into when you like went to the show no. and that's what you used or no that's no? just what I packed to like give to people and it was like okay you know it's just like newspapers from the, right the doctor's so you office go to pack stuff theirs. up and you just pull out the big bundle of newspaper and right start wrapping and I don't know, maybe year two, I realized that buying a roll of paper is the best way you can go, in my personal opinion. Uh, it's so consolidated, and it's, it's like, just, it's nice and clean, you can choose there. how big it is, yeah. because you pull it out, and you rip it where you want. It's just like the perfect size, and it's it's perfect. I recommend 18 inches, not 24, um, if it's a better on a table, and it also fits sideways on one of those four-foot tables. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things that I was like, I'm going to recycle all of my materials. And then after like a year, I was like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this. This is terrible. <laughs> and then I like, all I do now is just throw the roll of paper in and it cuts it and it's perfect. Like make sure you get the stand nice. too, because that's really important. You're talking about the ones that are like, it's kind of like butcher paper yeah. and it's on, it's got that heavy doodle, medi, heavy doodle duty metal <laughs> stand. <laughs> a heavy doodle metal Man. stand <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 where you do the like rip the and you rip exactly it okay yeah we and it looks so much better when you're packing it just it looks yeah. so much better it looks great in like a craft paper you know i use a mini version of that and shittier paper so i get the masking paper from lowe's which is what you would like tape off windows with if you're painting and you would like painters tape that to the windows and stuff. So I use that. It's like a thinner-ish brown paper. And I think the roll is 14 or 16 inches wide. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of made this contraption cardboard kind of box to hold it in. And then I kind of pull it out and then I rip it. So the box kind of contains it so that the roll can't just fall and like start rolling out everywhere. Uh, and that just sticks down in my the bag that I keep all of my paper bags in. So that's what I use. It's like most of the stuff I'm selling are like mugs and bowls and stuff. I'm not selling huge things and I'm not selling like six pieces at once. But if I am, I just use more of that paper. Yeah. But that works for me. You're a cheap ass. That's <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have a big roll of the brown paper that you're talking about, but it's so big Yeah. that it would take up space. Yeah. Like I could, if I took it to a show, it would be really big and like bulky. Yeah. Because it's like the size of one of my tent weights, you know? Oh, it's, it's like a 24-inch roll. Like, not... Yeah. 
You got to yeah. get the 18 inch, 18 to 12. And I don't have the metal stand either. Yeah. So that, I feel like that would take up for sure, like good real estate in my car that I don't know that I'm willing to give up. But I can see the benefit of like pulling it out and stuff and ripping. Yeah. Well, um, what's your the answer? The one thing, yeah, the one thing I wish I brought or did, I will go with a thing that wasn't really necessary. I would say bringing more than you need and like putting out everything you have don't feel like you have to do that like it's overwhelming to customers to see the shelf completely full of everything mm-hmm. i used to think oh the more things i put out that's the more options that people can pick from i only need them to pick one thing that they like in that whole gamut of pieces that they see that gravitate to for them to buy so i think like 100 pieces out what are the chances of them buy one it's better if they have 100 pieces out than if they have 50 pieces out for one it's just easier on the eyes to see fewer pieces some people need less choice that's true and uh yeah i put out everything um so that's the thing i wish that wasn't really necessary um wish i brought or did the first market probably i don't know that i went around and talked to people as much or like looked at my like peers as much like i would say do that like you're totally a sponge in that mm-hmm. in that aspect of your first market that you could take in so much and it's a good kind of thing to do oh my gosh and it like ugh, there is nothing get there early there's get there nothing... early and set up your booth and go walk around yeah there's nothing like the community that you get from a f- like a show even if it's one that you only do once a year and you see that one person that you made a connection with and you're like, hey, <laughs> like, how are you doing? Like, see you next year. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just so pure. <laughs> it's great. Um, let's see. The one thing that I wish. Wait, wait. Uh, the one thing that, that wasn't really necessary. I think, yeah, the amount of stuff that you bring. Like, I can pack everything that's ex- that's uh, like... <sighs> Everything that I bring that's not pottery and not booth setup fits in one tote, and that includes all of my bags. So, um, no, that's two totes because one of them is my sides and my bungee cords and stuff like that, and then one tote is, like, my bags and my tape gun and my notebook and maybe lotion and stuff like that. And, like, it's just in one tote, and it's super compact. And I think that it was, like, all over the place, and also I like was like brought cardboard and that fell apart (laughs) and so yeah i uh i feel like i just brought way too much stuff and that wasn't necessary yeah i like the consolidating too Mm -hmm. like you know exactly where things go in your car when you're packing because they you like you're not gonna be able to fit everything back in there if you don't put it in the right spot right oh (laughs) um you have an suv and i have a van we should also keep yes. that in mind. I, ha- I have a Nissan Rogue. He has a Nissan that Rogue. Has, yeah, it the the seats flip down and that's it. Yeah, I don't have a third row. I'm very bare bones. And I had a um for the first couple years, like well the very first. Did you ever pack in your Forester yep. or anything? The very first shows I did in my Forester, um, but then really quickly I got a um. God, what was it? A Chrysler? <sighs> I forgot what it was called. One of those like minivans. I'm like, it was a minivan, but like the '90s version, the um, uh, <laughs> the squarish one. I don't know. 
but it wasn't as big. <laughs> I don't know what you, you're not describing very well. The van that is squarish that was from the 90s. <laughs> it wasn't as big as a um, like a Dodge Ram, but it was like wasn't as small. Dodge Ram is a truck. Uh, excuse me, Dodge Ram van is a van. Um, There's a Ram van. Yeah, I have a Ram. I like. That was my last van. Oh, the older version. Yeah. Dodge Ram doesn't make a van now. No. They used to have one. Okay. No, but... Um... Oh, shit. I'm sorry. That was a long pause. It's all right. You don't have to remember. It's a van. It was okay. a van. So and now, a... now um, in the past couple of years, I've had a Dodge Ram van that is very large. So it, it holds everything that I need to. Plus yeah, myself. You're not limited on space in that. No, but that's long gone too. Sad days. Bye, Rusty. Yeah. Okay, um, how do you know? Liz wants to Liz wants to know how much inventory yeah. you need if it's your first time doing a particular show. As much as you make, <laughs> as much as you want. Um, I would preface this with: Is it a one day show? Is it a two day show? Mm -hmm. Is it in your local vicinity? If it's a one day show and it's local to you, bring whatever you can fit in your car. Yeah, and whatever can fit under your tables and have stock there to pull from i definitely keep back stock of mugs for sure some back stock of shot glasses and spoon rests that way you know those pieces that sell a lot of i can restock at the booth they're under the under the table and i can restock those if it's a two-day show or something like that and it's local to you you know leave some stuff at home but you know the same kind of thing fill up your car if you go home that night, like, take some more stuff with you if you need it. If you're out of town, I would say take take as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you're not going back home, like, you know, you're going to miss out on... Yeah, if, if you've never done it, though, how do you kind of gauge what you should be taking and what you shouldn't? I feel like you, you should kind of know what are your best sellers. Well, do a booth setup before. Like, do a practice booth in a garage or in your driveway and then like set it up and you just want to make sure it looks full you know like you could go with 12 pieces you don't want to clearly but um yeah you don't want to sell out and be like yeah you don't your thumbs. you don't want to sell out but like just make sure it looks full not overwhelming and then and then kind of see how much that is and then do it accordingly like i started when i was doing like sponge holders i made like 30 sponge holders and maybe like 50 shot glasses and 20 mugs 30 mugs a couple vases like big items it's always good to have the big items that you think you're never going to sell but people are like oh that's really cool and um they're really inconvenient but they're cool uh, <laughs> it's good to like put those up on the top shelves so yeah. people kind of look at that and maybe they're like oh how much is that and then they're like oh 120 bucks yeah so no thanks and then they kind of gradually go their way down to something that's affordable yeah maybe so i would say probably like 100 pieces is a good start you know yeah would you say you also mentioned selling or i mentioned selling out or whatever for me the goal is not to sell out i don't ever expect to sell out if i sell out a complete show I am in deep shit because I would be completely drained because I do 25 shows a year or whatever. Well, I think that if I you... I can't sell out a show. If you sold out, it's a great thing because then you don't have to do the next show. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, that's never really my goal to sell out. Uh, it's 
to sell a lot, that's good. But also, I have a very different experience with shows because I would do a show every single week. So I'm already on a schedule of like making things. So I would make about 50 to 100 pieces a week to bring to sh- to to my show. But you have more than 100. Uh, you more have more than that as your only stock. You have yeah. probably 200 pieces, 300, or 250 or something. You know, yeah. Yeah. So like at a show when I was at my peak. Uh, in a 10 by 20 booth, I would have about 300 pieces. Pretty standard. That's not including yeah. mise en place and shot glasses. Because that's 75 really? piece each. Easy. Oh, yeah. God, there's probably 150 to 300 mise en place just by themselves. Yeah. If I'm not counting shot glasses, I would probably still count spoon rest. But I would probably say I'm at about 150 pieces in a booth. Yeah. If I include shot glasses, probably like 200. Yeah. Oh, I'm we kind of uh, we kind of answered the next questions. When doing an art festival weekend, what does your beginning inventory look like? Yeah. What? Um, yeah, Shelby's a uh, more of a functional potter, so she makes stuff kind of like what we do. Okay. So. Yeah. She's kind of smaller batch though. Okay. But, so yeah. yeah, I would always get, have like what I had the week before, and then I go home and crank out a bunch of stuff, and I bring probably fifty to a hundred pieces, and then kind of mix that in sell what I have and then come back and it is good also to like like during the summer I don't unpack all of my pots do you unpack all your pots what do you mean like onto my shelves in my no like when you go home from a show I keep them in my when you go home from a show and you pack up all your pots to take them home you're not unpacking them from totes no no they stay in the totes and I Re, I refill the totes with shelf stock. Yeah, so they stay in the totes, and so there's like, it's like a sourdough bread. <laughs> like, you have your starter for your first week, and then you just keep those in the totes, and then you kind of just add to that every week. And then it and never. Then you see those pieces that just stick around and yeah. never leave the tote. And, and then like, you put those in the uh. seconds bin. Um, Can we get rid of this? Yeah, it never yeah. really dwindles down, so it kind of dev- it yeah. doesn't feel overwhelming unless it's the first week. That's what I feel like. Yeah, yeah, you can't really the number of pieces in the beginning inventory. It's hard to say you need this number of pieces, but for me, I probably have fifty to seventy mugs, probably seventy five, probably seventy five or so mugs. And that gives me enough to have out as well as to to refill. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, shot glasses, I probably have 50 or so. Spoon rests, I probably have about 50 maybe. Oil bottles, I have about 25, 30 maybe. Probably 20 something. And then, you know, bowls. I don't, historically, I haven't had a ton of bowls. So I might have 25 bowls. Like I don't sell a ton of bowls, so. And then I might have a handful of planters and stuff like that that are smaller. This is kind of like making me a little bit depressed. <laughs> like I'm thinking Why? about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, God, I'm fucking, I'm so going to miss like not doing shows. I fucking love shows. You need to come to the backyard show. You need to do some shows in Cincinnati. I know, to... but like it's not the same. You don't have the stock, right? It's, I, mean, I don't you... have the stock, but it's also just not the same. And it's just like, it like I guess that like just now in this like moment, I was like, God, it's the end of an era. 
Like, it's the end of a Becca era. And it makes me a little bit sad. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> I'm still glad that we're doing this because I, I do love talking about this. Um, how many pieces do you need? We already answered that. How do you charge people? We kind of already answered that. Yeah, square, square reader or cash. cash. I would say if you're definitely have a square reader, have something you can take credit cards because typically 60% of my sales credit on card. average are credit cards, yeah. probably 70%, but yeah. Um, also, it's really nice to have not your phone for a credit card reader, P.S. It's really handy to have like an alternative iPad or something like that if you can. Um, a ton of people do it on your phone, but I find that you have to keep that charged all the time. Or if you have an old phone, using that is good too. Uh, just something that you're not like texting on or, you know, communicating with and... yeah. I would say put it on do not disturb if you can yeah. turn the Instagram notifications off because it's really annoying when you're during a transaction and Instagram keeps popping up notifications. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You should not have Instagram notifications anyway. I turn those off. Well, I turn, I turn them off when I, because usually I'll post in the morning of yeah. the show and I'm like, hey, I'm at the show, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then they'll habitually pop up yeah. and I'm like, oh, I find it get out really here. easy just to have like a another like a mini ipad or something like that that you can as long but it has to connect to cellular so maybe right. your phone is the hot spot yeah most if you can get away with that yeah and your ipad that doesn't have a bunch of notifications yeah. and it's more screen real estate and all that stuff totally um okay uh we, we should skip the last part of that question because we'll talk about it down in the next section okay um is a business license needed yes and which type <laughs> if so yeah so the business license, from what I get from this, that's the state license for like, hey, I can actually sell stuff like a vendor license. Right. Um, mine in Ohio is considered a transient vendor license because I don't live in Ohio. So if you're traveling to different states or you're like I'm on a river, so I'm neighboring the two states and I sell a lot in Ohio, even though I live in Kentucky. And then Kentucky is a I can't remember what it's called. It's just a business license. I don't know yeah. if there's a different name for it or a more official name for it but i would say yes a business license is needed typically but you can but it's show by show you know and also um sometimes you need you can a city get away license with... like you know when you sell in the city of seattle you have to get a city license for seattle you have to get a business license in every single city that you sell in which is so fucking annoying jeez but that's annoying yeah washington really needs to figure out their shit in regards to that but um yeah, so make sure you do research like that, but your show coordinators will know. That's a question. And that's gener and is that generally for I know for me it's for paying sales tax in that state yeah. or that city that you're selling in. That's mm -hmm. the reason you have to have yeah, it. Yeah, they want their money. Right. <laughs> Cuz there's there otherwise there's no way for you to send money if you don't have a license number or whatever they know to send you email reminders like, "Hey, your sales tax are due now." Um so yeah look up vendor license and stuff like that if it's in your state maybe look up your state small business and like vendor license and stuff things like that but yeah yeah um how far in advance do you typically start making pots to sell how much does the this made me laugh too it's <laughs> because i'm always making pots like i'm not making for any specific shows and it made me laugh because i'm always fucking late um how, <laughs> how much does the tent usually cost as compared to how much you sell how many a year do you're you like, attend how many shows a year like do you attend four days um 
how many a year? So the last couple years has been about 25 or so. This year we'll see. I'll probably hit about 25, yeah. 25? I don't know. Yeah, that's going to vary too. A lot of those are one-day shows. Some of those are farmer's markets. You know, I'll have a handful that are $10 tents, $25 tents, and then there will be a handful that are $50 to $90 tents, and then there will be probably four or five that are like $200 plus tents. So it's a variety. So, yeah. So if I am doing a, if I was doing Leavenworth, so we're just going to skip back two years when I was doing Leavenworth before COVID, uh, 26 shows. And that's every single weekend from May to October. So. Holy shit. Yeah. It's half the year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's half the year. It's a lot. Um, and I miss it. (laughs) So dumb. Uh, (laughs) Um, all right. So are we working our way backwards here? How, how much do the, does the tent usually cost? I'm guessing that's the rent. How much does it yeah, take for a boofy yeah. compared to how much you sell? Totally varies. But typically you want to have 10, 10 times the, right? 10 times yeah. your boofy? Yeah, that's the standard. Um, that actually kind of factors in with this other question down here. About, or let's go ahead and finish this one and then I'll jump to that one. Um. Yeah, 10 times is kind of the baseline, but we'll talk about it more in this other this other question down here. Um, and then how far in advance do you typically start making pots to sell? Becca's was like four days until the next show. <laughs> Last year, <laughs> the next week. I was like, I'm going to start in March. Or two years ago, I was like, I'm going to start in March. I'm going to do it. And then April 1st comes around, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. I think that I was like maybe two weeks prior and I was making pots. Oh my like gosh. started making pots. It was so bad. It was okay, so that's bad. not a good that's not a good rule of thumb because most people can't make in the efficient manner that you can. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kinda of like the whole uh making as you go situation. I mean, I would say start making in January. Don't stretch yourself out. But also if you are ever evolving in your style, uh that needs to be I think you need to have a pretty tamped down style too um because if you mean like don't make a bunch of stuff in january that's not going to sell until may and then you have a completely different bunch of stuff in february and it's completely different yeah yeah so so keep that in mind like figure out who you are as a human being if you're like all over the board or if you're more consistent in style um then you know you can start preparing and also if you are like figuring out glazes or whatever make a bunch of bis pieces and Put those on the back burner and glaze them. Stock up the bisque ware. That's what I'm talking bisque about. Wear, yeah. Do it. Do it. It's kind of boring because you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of plain bisque ware that's sitting there that I'm like, it's so I want helpful. to glaze it. And I want to finish it, but it's great to have it sitting yeah, there. Yeah, especially like when you start selling at shows. Yeah, especially and you know what sells and you know what doesn't. Yeah. Like you can easily just pull from that bisque ware and glaze it with the stuff that you know is going to sell. Like mugs, you know, like having a classic you know, MUG mug and like just making a bunch of bisqueware pieces for that. So I will say that a couple years ago, I loved doing this, by the way, this was one of my funnest things. I think it was in March. And I, I always set like weird goals for myself. You remember the like hundred pots a day till May or something like that was 43 it was a day 43 till a day till may that's what it was and so i like made 43 pots a day until may and i started at like april um but 
Uh, also, me... That was a pie-in-the-sky goal, wasn't it? It was. It was crazy. Um, also, uh, me and Andrew would always kind of sit down at, you know, like somewhere in April and, like, make a list of what I felt like I needed for that first show. Uh, and mm-hmm. that was really good, too. Like, sit down with somebody other than yourself and, like, just hash out a list. But um, one year, I did 700 pots in seven days. And that was oh, so crap. much fun for me. Like, find a reasonable goal. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty yeah. lofty goal for a lot of people. But, like, it was awesome because, you know, uh, on Monday, I did 100 mugs. On Tuesday, I did 100 wine glasses. On, thir- like, Wednesday, I did 100 small bowls on, you know, and it just, like, went really fast. And by the time I was done, I was like, yeah, this is good. Like, I feel really accomplished. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think I had way more than 300 pieces in my booth. But, um... anyway yeah uh anyway but yeah that's a that's a good thing to do just stock like make as much as you can like you know i made whatever 800 pieces in january it was a lot of smaller pieces a lot of shot glasses it was a lot of saucers a lot of spoon rest but i'm making a lot of things because i'm stocking up i'm generally not going to do any big sales until may 1st yeah at least on a typical basis because there's just not many shows and there's not like it's not heavy selling season yeah until the spring at least where i live so get the small stuff out of the way that's the stuff you're gonna sell anyway yeah i'm not doing the i'm not doing the like monthly updates the what about the balancing the like do i need to do monthly updates so that i keep having things available versus you know holding pieces back so that i have them for shows I, because I, it's worse to sell something like in February and March, and you sell a bunch of it. Not that this would happen to me, but like selling all of my mugs in March, and I'm like out of mugs for a show that I'm having in May. Like that would be so such stress to have to restock all of it. If I knew, if I knew I was going to make a shit ton of money at a show, I would not want to put the effort into doing a an, a, an update. You know. Yeah. But um, some people are superheroes. It's fine. Uh, they can do both. But, <laughs> but, yeah. But I think that I would choose whichever one you know is going to make you more money. And you, do you have to enjoy it more, though? I feel like the, we're, like, I would much rather sell it at a show That's because true, of the, we actually like it. the effort that goes into it versus the photography and the listing and the, yeah. Ship packing and shipping. Like I would much rather wrap pieces at a show than pack and ship it. I think I come to think of it, I was doing like <laughs> a couple of years ago. I was doing flash sales at the exact same time I was prepping for shows, and it oh, was God. terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of doing like a mystery box sale. Yeah, maybe on my birthday, which is ten days before my show, my first show. But it's it's those odds and ends pieces that have been hanging around. It's not the bread and butter pieces that are going to need to be for the show. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe I'll sell one item right. on my birthday for May first. I'm selling Ooh. one mug or one cup. Auction. Yes. Auction piece. <laughs> sell it on eBay. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, okay, so the one question that I wanted to get back to that was about the. Uh, tent cost and stuff like that so 
This one says, how and when do you decide it's not profitable to continue doing a specific show? In your terms, what does a profitable show look like? I've heard 10 times your booth fee, but I feel like that's also determined by where you live. Mm. If you live in an area that's less willing to spend that money, do you think that you should spend, uh, that time should be spent finding shows in different locations or focusing your energy online? Um, and other questions about like doing Instagram sales while at a show, being profitable. Um, has it changed during COVID and stuff like that? So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Like, how do you judge a show based on whether you want to return or not? There's a number of factors for me. Right. But. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. I think that, like, a lot of the times, especially for the small shows, because, like, a farmer's market or something like that, I will break it down into an hourly rate <laughs> because sometimes I'm like, it was like $10 to be in the show <laughs> or $25, you know? Right. And so 10 times your booth fee like doesn't really matter. Um, so sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I made 40 bucks an hour in three hours. I'm okay with that. Like, you know, and for the amount right. of work that you put into, because farmer's markets are no work at all. You just like, oh, by the way, my booth setup for a farmer's market is completely different than my booth setup for um a regular show my booth setup for a farmer's yeah, you're market, not doing the full setup no i throw out a table no tablecloth just throw the pots on there if you want them you want them if you don't you don't i don't fucking care so um <laughs> <laughs> like i do a little bit nicer setup than that but it is a single it's a single table setup yeah it's not two tables and or three tables and yeah yeah i think my last one was like i had two tables and they were both dirty and, then I, and i like didn't even take you any show me that you sold a, a good amount I sold there then you sold over a thousand bucks there <laughs> how much was it 1500 yeah that was great yeah in four hours i'd be okay with that um but yeah like it totally depends especially if you're someplace local because if you're someplace local and you made some money and you had fun doing it and you you talk to people and you made connections that's worth it in itself uh but for yeah. like a bigger show if i'm yeah i mean like yeah i mean if you're paying like 400 dollars for a booth or even 150 dollars for a booth i want to make a lot more money than that so it's up to you i feel like you walk away from a show saying this was good or this was not okay and that's a gut feeling and i think you should go with that what do you think yeah i'm i'm kind of in that same boat if i'm judging the diff the three tiers of booth types like you're kind of talking about the farmer's market i completely judge that based on you know how did that fit into my schedule typically those farmer's markets are 9 a.m to 1 i'm not getting my ass out of bed until like 11 o'clock on saturdays typically so Hell, the two hours of the beginning of that show and the hour and a half that I spent setting up was nothing. Like, yeah. it's not taking time away from me doing something. Um, so for that, it's totally effort and, you know, how how enjoyable was it? And was I taking time away from doing other stuff? Um, I do typically, like, nap after it. So, like, it is kind of a time suck after and the day is a little bit drained. But, um yeah, for that ten dollar show, twenty five dollar show, and I'll pro like last year I averaged better with those shows. I probably sold five hundred dollars at a minimum at most of those, so like that felt pretty good for a farmer's market. Um, and like the people are nice. It's 
you see the same customers like you're talking about in the past. Farmers markets, it's a lot of the same people coming week after week. Mm-hmm. And there's regularity. There's, you know, it's 10 minutes from my house. The setup is easy. And, um, and if we go a step higher than that to the 50 to $90 tents, a lot of that factors in with how much effort is it to set up the tent? Like, can I offload right there at the booth? If I've got to like lug a bunch of shit and wheel it in, like that can be tasking and that can be kind of aggravating to do. And the money of the show kind of factors into that because it's a lot of extra effort to do it. Um, you know, are the customers generally nice? Is it people that like appreciate the craft or is it a bunch of people that are looking for stuff that are cheaper? I do definitely factor into like, what's the average price that people are looking for? Like if it's the city flea down in Washington park, the average price people are looking for is probably 20 to 25 bucks. So am I going to sell enough shot glasses and air plants and spoon rests and maybe a handful of mugs in there? maybe a few oil bottles to make it worth my time because the setup can be a little bit more grueling. So, you know, it's a lot of just feel, like you said. And then the bigger shows are like, it does come down to money more with those because they usually are multiple days. You have to pay to stay somewhere because they're probably going to be out of town. Or sleep in your van. And Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't have that option. But but, that's the benefit of a van. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so that that definitely factors in it's more costly because you've got to go somewhere you got to stay somewhere you got to pay for meals you got to you know it's more tasking to i got might have to take a day off work and um but yeah i mean they're generally going to be more you're gonna make more money you know i haven't sold three thousand dollars worth at another show than the one that i had to travel a couple hours to and stay somewhere and all that stuff but yeah so and then some of them i'll just be like hey i've got you know 25 shows this year is it worth adding these two or three that i wasn't really sure about last year that were kind of like eh not i don't know i can take or leave that like i'll leave it but i'll add a couple more new shows maybe to try them out see what happens yeah and uh you know i'm always trying new shows i feel like that's the best way to just keep refining your clientele and seeing what's out there yeah i think that i'm not a really good person to ask that question just because i value the experience of a show so much more than i value the money you know like i could have made so much more money at shows other than leavenworth (laughs) like but it was like it's like my home you know and so it didn't matter to me like it didn't matter and it all evened out in the end but um but yeah, I definitely. Yeah, you're very community focused with that. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> you got you got to be around those people for five months straight or six months straight. Yeah. Like you got to have some kind of. Yeah, you get real you know, close, and um, yeah. So, I think that, like, yeah, it's not about the money for me as much as it is about the experience. So, also on a side note, I will say, as we all know, my personality. If you haven't listened to any other podcasts than this one go back (laughs) but but like um in a way it pays to be like the derpy like fun loving person like if you establish yourself as somebody that's like kind of out there and like kind of crazy but like lovable uh it really does benefit you i just want to say that because like i 
I was one of those people when I started going to shows that I was like 20, like two hours early and I would like sit in my car and like wait and I was like so worried about it and then like three shows go by and I'm like an hour late, like running into the show, like setting up late and like, like kind of like (laughs) just being a fucking hot mess. And that proved to be a lot more beneficial than the other ones because they remember me, they like me, even though I'm a fucking mess. And <laughs> like, and I think that like when we were talking about show, uh, like uh, applying for shows, that's why I haven't applied for a lot of shows because they're like, oh yeah, I know who you are, and it like you just become a memorable figure just because you're just all over the place. In a good way. Not because they're going to deny you from being in the show. Right. But because you have familiarity with the shows that you've done. Yeah. And like, you know, like you're familiar and they know who you are. And like, you have to have good product to back this up. You couldn't go in there and be a shitty artist and then like, and do this. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I felt like I should say that. (laughs) 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 It took like three shows for me like, be like, oh, damn it, I didn't know that I could set up last night instead of this morning. And they're like, did you nah, read the directions? Yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no. Not until this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <sighs> I feel like I want to answer a few of these Instagram questions that were from the question. Yeah, I think we're going to have to break this up into two parts. Yeah. So there's there's other parts about booth setup and whatnot. I want to answer. Maybe we'll answer a couple on here. Um, I feel like we're at a really good spot to stop, and we can answer some Instagram questions, and then because we got to prepping, and then we can talk about booth setup next time and selling actual selling. Like I think that we didn't talk about like selling tactics. Yeah. Yeah. So Aletha coming through with the questions. Aletha, you are a freaking question rock star. We love you. He's got five here. You and Liz, um, man. You guys are rocking it. <laughs> All right. So, oh, I think I think a lot of these might have been in the booth setup. Or, no, no, they're not. Okay. I think we're good. Okay. So, um, yeah. Th- okay. Thinking on packing episode. How do you pack things at a show? We talked about that. No, we didn't, actually. Um, we, we did. No, we didn't. We said, how do you pack? They're saying big padded wrap or just a bag. They're talking about when you give it to customers. Oh, but we didn't it? talk about how we pack our pots to get there. And I think we should because we know about, like, you know about my boxes. Okay. Well, first, how do you pack it to give it to a customer? Um, Since that's what she asked. I take, I unroll the paper and take off about 12 inches. And then I... <laughs> Not that specific. <laughs> and then... So it's the 18-inch roll, you do the paper, mm-hmm. you wrap the piece of paper, and then... Yeah, but I put a business card inside the mug, and then I wrap the paper inside the mug, and then I throw it in a bag, and I give them the bag. And it's the craft... Craft paper. It's the cub size bag, because you're anti-rose bag. I, I am. I only buy cub size bags. Oh, and I'll buy, like... <laughs> What actually usually happens is I buy a few bigger bags, but I usually buy them off of other artists because I don't want like 45 bigger <laughs> bags. I just go up and I'm like, hey, dude, can I buy a couple bags off of you? Because it's so much easier to have like five really large ones. But honestly, I would rather give two cub size bags to somebody like straight up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I do something similar. I have that, yeah, that masking paper, and then I have the... I use the rose size bags a lot. If it's a single mug, I'll use that. I know it's basically the same cost for a rose bag than a cub bag, exactly but I the like same it cost. for the size. And if you're getting, like, shot glasses, which a lot of people get shot glasses or a spoon rest, I like to put those in that bag if they get multiples. If it's even smaller than that and it's just a, sh- a spoon rest, I'll use the little paper sleeves and I'll put that in there and fold it over and just give them that. Oh, yeah. And I'll also, put a business card or business paper in there. Like, Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, also, definitely 100% not above asking if they need a bag. I think that it's really important that we start doing this. <laughs> Say, do yeah. you need a bag before you start giving them a bag? Because a lot of the times, especially in an art show, they're already carrying a bag. Unless you have a bag with like your logo and stuff that you want people to see, there's nothing that says you can't be like, hey, do you want to just share the bag with this uh, fucking like fabric artist? Like, it's probably yeah. more protective than the paper I'm going to give you. You know, still wrap it, but then you can... There's nothing wrong That's with that. That's a great point. Yes, I definitely try to do that. Especially, like, farmer's markets. Like, a lot of those people bring reusable yes. bags because they come every week. And they're shopping for produce and stuff. And they have the reusable bags. So, definitely... Don't assume they I've want a I've saved a, a bag. number of bags. Yeah. Don't assume. And don't... Yeah. Ask them and then, hey, you get to keep a bag. It's worth the uh, not giving them a branded bag mm-hmm. for, like, saving a bag. Oh. I'd rather save a bag than give them a bag that they're going to get rid of. Yeah, and don't use fucking plastic bags. And also, don't use reusable plastic bags. You can use those for cat litter. Like, don't... Don't... <laughs> don't be... <laughs> I scooped my cat shit up with that. Yeah, like, don't... I'm sorry. Like, the environment, I agree. I think it needs to be saved. But, I'll like, buy paper bags. If you're going to sell pottery, buy a fucking paper bag. Do not give them a plastic bag. That's asking for your pieces to be broken and them coming back to you a half an hour later. And just think about it. That is the last interaction you're having with them. Yeah. That is the sign-off. That's the last thing they're going to remember of experience with your business and with you. If you hand them a paper Kroger bag... <laughs> Or plastic Kroger bag. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Be professional. (laughs) Like, you don't have to put tablecloths on your tables, but give them a fucking paper bag. And if if you can't buy them in bulk, like, you can get those at Michael's. On eBay. Suck it up. Pay a little bit more money at Michael's if you get in a pinch and you have to get them last minute. Yeah. You can get some at Michael's. I will say, however, there was one time that I did run into an issue and I thought I was going to run out of bags. I might have actually run out of bags, and um, I had to buy a stack of bags from the Albertsons in Gig Harbor. <laughs> like, do you mean like plastic? Yeah, bags? the plastic ones. And it was like after that. Oh. After that, I always made sure I had extra bags. You had to buy them. You couldn't just sneak a bag, <gasps> a stack of bags off the. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, we didn't talk about change either. How much change you should bring to a show. I mean, that wasn't really a question. I know it wasn't a question, but we need to answer that because that's important. I bring like 150 bucks in cash normally. If I remember it, I bring uh, I bring like 40 in one. No, like maybe 20 to 40 in ones. Like 40, no, 20 in ones, 40 in fives, and a couple tens. I usually bring probably 21, 20 to 30 ones. Maybe 30 bucks in fives, 
three tens, and maybe four twenties. Yeah, I think just in case yeah, somebody gives I me a hundred dollars out of the bo- out of the gate. I never throw in 20s because I always used to have cash, like always. <laughs> and so I always had enough change in my wallet, but just in case. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a cash holder, so. Okay. Did you want to talk about the packing of your pots in boxes and stuff? Yes. For getting to and from a show? Yes, I do. What do you do for that? All right. I generally do the uh, Tupperware container, Tupperware. What the fuck am I talking about? Are they Tupperware? Rubbermaid. They're not Tupperware. <laughs> Rubbermaid. <laughs> Rubbermaid. I'm distracted by Autumn just all over my lap. Um, the Rubbermaid containers, I like the ones that are shallow, like the kind that would like fit underneath your bed. I don't know how deep that is. Maybe six to eight inches okay. deep. And I use the cardboard dividers. So I kind of made those out of big cardboard boxes. You cut down, you make the little cubby squares and stuff for mugs that's generally what i use and then i have these other bins that are a little bit deeper i do something very similar for the bottles and then for the bowls there's not really an easy way to do the bowls i feel like i just have to use some of that like thicker foam or like a a paper or something like that that i can weave in and out of the bowls and nest them corrugated cardboard works really good for that too what's that whoa are you there? You cut out, but I assume you said something there. Oh, I said corrugated cardboard works really good for that, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't used that. That actually is a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. I have plenty of corrugated cardboard. I should probably just cut up a bunch of squares mm-hmm. of that. And reuse it. Yeah. Yeah. Because bowls, and I would recommend don't stack the bowls vertically in the bin, because mine have tended to break in that fashion what? it could be dependent on how good your bowls nest <laughs> i turn i turn them on their sides oh. and lay them on their sides because i my bin's not that deep so if it's yeah. pretty shallow like i benefit from having them on their sides versus stacked up i've had bowls break inside of each other just because my bowls are not the best nesting bowls mm. some of them could come in at the tops and like they rest the side on the rim and they could crack so mm-hmm that's generally how I pack everything. What about you? I'm not like that at <laughs> I all. I feel like we talked about this before. I know what's coming. Well, well, let's start with what is a little bit more comfortable for people and how I used to pack my pots. I used to take Rubbermaids and I used to get the taller ones. Um, and so what I would do, most of my mugs are exactly the same height. This is also a benefit to making similar shapes. And I would pack all of the mugs in the bottom nothing between them because if they scratched i didn't make my glazes right um so i pack them all in and smush them up to the sides and just make sure they're as tight as they can be and then uh, i put a cardboard a flat cardboard on top of that and then pack some more all the same height and then a flat cardboard on that and then pack some more all the same height and then i put a towel on top or something soft and then I put the lid on so it compresses them down. And when it compresses them down, they don't move. It's very fucking heavy. Right. The idea is make sure they're not moving and shifting right. and you're stopping and breaking and you hear mugs and pieces right. like clanking up together. You don't want yeah, that. Yeah, you don't want that. So it's very heavy. That that version is super heavy. Um, and that's yeah. a and that's, lot of reasons why big I bend. Now, this is, in my opinion, the best system because it's the right size and they're free <laughs> assuming that 
you make the pieces in this size right? right assuming that you make small pieces like okay i go to costco when i had a costco card and i get the pepper boxes <laughs> I'm being very specific. Pepper boxes have not changed from Costco in years. I'm being very specific because the tomato boxes. Which kind of peppers? Are you talking about jalapeno peppers? Are you talking about bell peppers? (laughs) Bell peppers. What kind of peppers, Becca? Bell peppers. (laughs) Okay. I'm being very specific because they have tomato boxes, and those tomato boxes are short. They're four inches versus five inches. So pepper boxes are where it's at. They're taller. Now, these what about like grapefruit boxes? Grapefruits could be big enough. They could be. So the pepper boxes, the reason why I go with those, I think it was just a fluke and it was just magic. The reason I go with those is they are meant to stack on top of each other. They are basically produce carts, right? Yeah. Uh, produce bins. So they have little... Because they have like a male-female kind of thing. Yeah, they have right? little walking the... feet in the bottoms. So I yeah. have had shows where I have stacked... 10 of these on top of each other. Oh my god. Maybe seven. I thought you were going to say like four. No, maybe seven. Ten? They were, it was almost as oh tall my. as I am. And oh they are gosh. sturdy as fuck. They are so sturdy. And they're like five inches tall. So if you have shortish mugs or like medium, my mugs are not small. They fit right in there. You just have to make sure that it's right below the, you know, the top of the box. And right. um, if you're a production, if you have a lot of the same stuff, it works perfect. Now, the reason I like this is because they never get too heavy. You can always because carry Because it's just them. cardboard. Yeah, you can always carry them. Like, And you can't fit too many in. And uh, so, But I still just stack them. Like, I just butt them right next to each other. I don't put anything between them. Um, but one thing you have to do before you use the boxes, you go around the sides of them with tape, with clear tape. That's just... It just keeps them together and it keeps them sturdy. Reinforce it, yeah. And then, um, and so then I would do them in two stacks in the back of my car. I would um, stack up the first stack and scoot it on, and then stack up the second stack and scoot it on. And they actually coincidentally fit perfectly in those yellow, those big yellow um, contractor tubs from Lowe's. They fit right inside the lid, which is really nice. And um, and then I would bungee those down to the ground and put like a towel on top of the top one, and that's it. Uh, the last couple of years I've been using bread carts from Fran's Bakery because uh, they left them uh, at the neighbors. <laughs> but those were yeah. really large, and they did the same stacking things. But bread carts are good too. They're just a little bit bigger and they take a little bit more effort. So I still yeah, they look a little bit. A little bit wider and kind of more unruly. Yeah, and it gets pretty heavy. Around. It gets pretty heavy, but I still think that stacking shallow boxes was the best way to go, for sure. That sounds kind of like what I have for the shallower bins, but yeah. mine had the cardboard in between them. Yeah. Uh, also, um, God, there's so much to talk about. Also, um, packing your car. I think that it needs to be said Ooh. that uh, if you have the space... Pack your car according to how you unpack and pack your system. So, for instance, when I would pack my booth, uh, the uh, the tents are on the top, so I can pull those out first, get the tents up, and then I'm looking at pots, 
coming out last. So I have shelving coming See, out. See, that's the that's I don't I w- I need to figure out a way to put the tent in last. It's just normally it's easy to put down there because it's so heavy. I don't yeah. want to be putting it on top of shit. Right. After I already get all the pots in there, but totally. And I mean, like, it's not know. totally last. Like, there's a few things that come off off the top, but like. Yeah, I think it's really, if you have the space and you can do it, make sure that you are setting up your your car to efficiently unpack your booth. So, like, you know, and do it backwards when you pack it up. So, when you're unpacking, tents out first, shelving out next, tables out next, um, all your decoration, whatever shit, out next, pots out last. Um, Set them all up. And then when you're setting it in, pots in first, and then all your decoration, tables, shelving, then your tents. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point, though, because I have, yeah, mine's a little bit backwards because I put my tent in first because that kind of sets the, that's the baseline of like, I need to fit it around this because I know the tent is the longest thing in here and it has to fit in this yeah. kind of spot. Yeah. Because I don't want to get to the end of it and I try to shut my trunk and it's going to hit the window. Totally. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. Yeah, totally. And, and a lot of times you don't have the space, but if you do have the space, think about it, you know? Um, also, oh, I just had it. I would definitely say, see if you can put your tables on top of your pots and stuff, mm-hmm. though, because... I mean, mine can slide around a little bit, but I've had it where you're ready to put the tent up and the tables up, but the tables are underneath the pots, and, like, you can get a good baseline, get the tables out there, get them set up, and then you put the tablecloths on, and then the pots go underneath the table. Yeah. And then you start, like, setting it up from oh, there. Oh, so. uh, you might need a cart, you know, buying, like, a cart to, like, a dolly cart. A dolly. So keep that in mind if you have to move around anywhere. Uh like Leavenworth, I have a couple. we never needed the carts, yeah. but any other show I did. And um, what about the what type of dollies? I've got a couple. I've got one that's like really space efficient that folds up, and it's just like a flip down one that's got a foot that's maybe ten inches or something that folds out, so I can fit the a couple bins on it. But I'm not rolling a whole bunch of stuff. I like the rolly so carts. That's like my basic one. That's my basic one because I don't have a lot of space. So if I'm tight on space, I'll do that. If I do have space and, like, Rachel's not with me, I'll put the rolling dolly that has the two, like, pump-up wheels and it's got the more rigid, um, hard plastic wheels with the metal dolly. See, you use a dolly and I use a cart. Yeah, I don't have space for a cart. I use a flat cart that folds up flat. So... Are you talking about like a like a wagon that's sided? No, like no, that? No, like I'm looking at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like looking at one. No, it's like a, a level. It's a, a platform with four wheels, and then the handle. And the handle you press on the little bar, and it folds flat, and you can just stick it right in the car. Oh. So maybe I need to look into that. Are the wheels really big though? They can be, but you can get a smaller one that the wheels aren't too big. I know at some point Costco made one where the wheels actually flipped in, which was really nice. Ooh, but. yeah. The wheels are the big the big parts that take up a lot of space. Yeah, wheels do take up okay. a lot of space. Well, we could probably end it here. Unless you want to book in this one with Becca now that you're with Gravesco, are you planning to take your personal work to shows? <laughs> The people want to know, Becca. The people want to know. I mean, we'll see if I... I don't even have a kiln yet, so I I don't want to predict anything, but it would be 
lovely to go to a few shows. I would I would love that. See, you miss it. You want to do this. I do miss it. I like I didn't realize how much I missed it until this moment. But um <laughs> My heart is like, my heart is like, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. Are shows. you committed to, to do the backyard one at my parents' house in With July? July? I think so. Okay. I think so. I, Hopefully uh, you're, your kiln's supposed to be there in uh, April, right? End of April, but uh, on, yeah, well, hopefully. Ontario's in like a code red lockdown right now. So we're hoping that we get it at the end of April, but we'll see. All right. Well, that was a lot of questions. That was a lot of questions. Did we mark down the ones that we did? We still have half of them. I knew this thing would be two parts. I'm excited, though. I'm really down for this because I feel like the last part, you kind of had most of the knowledge. And this part, we both have a lot of different knowledge, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back for part two soon. Yeah. Part two. Um, Yeah, I, I really enjoy art shows and just the one-on-one with people is just so great even with covid like still being able to sell one-on-one with people is amazing oh also um to to end the episode (laughs) i guess uh ryan this is what i think we should do since we live in proximity now i think that in a couple years we should make our own show like have our own show but call it the buddy show and where you have to sign up with one of your friends uh, that's an, another artist Ooh. and so do you share a booth no you don't share or a do booth you... you swap booths so like <laughs> wouldn't that be so much fun like um that would be interesting so you but so i set up my booth how i want to set up yes. the booth but you sell for yes. me yes and we set we we are set up right next Ooh. to each other like the buddies are set up right next to each other and it could be totally different mediums like like if I was friends with a, uh, if I was a potter and then I had a friend that was a, um, an, you know, a jeweler and I love their earrings, we could switch and we could sell for each other. How fun would that be? I feel like it would be so much fun. That would be, that would be pretty fun actually, because I'm sure the boothy would be pretty cheap. You're just throwing money into like advertising. Yeah. Um, so it's just for the fun of it. And we can call it the buddy um, show. That's a great idea. Maybe we shouldn't have said that on the on the podcast. I've never heard this idea before, so maybe you shouldn't have, but we're going to keep it in there because who's listening this far anyways? They're two hours in. They're pretty dedicated. If you steal our idea, we'll know. Even if you block us on Instagram, we'll, we'll find out. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out. Yeah. <sighs> cool. That's a good idea. Sweet. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it, and we're having so much fun. If you want to follow us individually on Instagram, you totally can. Uh, Ryan's Instagram handle is at RD Ceramics, and mine is Five Lines Pottery. That's the number five. We would love to hear from you, and don't forget to write us a review on our podcast. We read every single one of them, and we totally appreciate them. They help us out an awful lot, and they also put smiles on our faces. I hope you guys continue to listen, and we love you. Thanks. Bye.